Hello, and welcome again to the podcast. I am so happy you're joining me in finding Meliora. Meliora means better in Latin, and I want to help you find a better life through improving your thoughts, because I have found much better in my life during pregnancy, in motherhood, in weight loss, and in many other areas of my life. I have been able to find some sense of Meliora through changing my thoughts, and I want to encourage the same for you. Today we are going to continue on our pregnancy series, Mindset Shifts During All the Phases of Pregnancy. Hi, I am Jocelyn, the host of the Meliora Mentor Podcast. Meliora means better in Latin. I encourage better thoughts for a better you and a better life. You're taking small steps in thought or action to reach your goal. I help individuals with an inner desire who are having a difficult time making progress to fulfill their goals to find the small, doable steps without making drastic changes to their everyday lives. And I can help you. Thanks for joining me. For all my pregnant mamas out there, I wanted to let you know that I have a Facebook page called Pregnancy is Hard and also a pregnancy group that can go along with it also called Pregnancy is Hard. And it's where I do live video once a week or so to encourage you to improve mindset during pregnancy. The group is also available to help when pregnancy and childbearing and motherhood just seems overwhelming. So I hope if you're having a difficult time with one or both of these seasons of life that you will find us on Facebook, that you will join us and connect to find more positivity in pregnancy and these seasons of life that can be very hard. And as a bonus, you'll get to see my face, which is kind of fun. Today I want to talk about when your plan goes amiss or when things don't go right or when life takes a sharp curve U-turn and you are thrown off your course. (laughs) Today we are going to apply that to pregnancy and emergency situations specifically, and how to deal with those, how to move forward when you have an emergency situation, and, and be able to apply that to when things happen. Maybe not associated to pregnancy, but you can imagine other life circumstances that throw you for a loop. My first baby threw me for a loop, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it, and of course we will go into some mindset tools and shifts to help in such circumstances. Thoughts of motherhood had brought me sweet joy. Everything was going to work out perfect for my first baby. I was going to graduate with my bachelor's degree in July, and then our little Riker was going to come in August. I secretly hoped that he would come five days after my due date, because then he would be born on my cousin Riker's birthday, who my baby boy was named after. I had planned on trying a normal birth, but was open to the epidural if I needed it. I really did not want a c-section though. I was actually pretty anti-c-section. Ironically, my sister-in-law and I were due to have babies close to the same time, her a little bit after me, a month later actually, and we decided to go to a birthing class together. 
Well, in that class, they talked about how sometimes emergency C-sections happen and they have to take the baby via C-section in order to save the mother and the baby. I was like, okay, that's all cool, but I'm pretty average and normal in anything, everything. (laughs) In everything, I'm average. So that's probably not going to happen to me. And I moved forward with that pregnancy. We had plenty of time to have a baby shower and to find the rest of the baby items that we needed. I was looking forward to stocking the nursery before the baby came. It was going to be all organized, clean, and ready to go. I was about 31 weeks pregnant. One evening, I tried to go to sleep, but I was having a pain in my rib that was keeping me awake. I'd felt rib pains before, but nothing quite this intense. I kind of figured it was just part of the journey of being a pregnant woman, and I continued to try and fall asleep. Sleep evaded me for quite some time. The pain would just not let me rest. It was a weird pain that was constant, and it was intense enough to keep me from shutting my eyes. I decided that I was going to try and watch a movie. Movies always put me to sleep. Just ask my husband. (laughs) I picked some western-type chick flick that I knew my husband wouldn't like to watch, and I started it. If this didn't work, I had no idea what I was going to do. I needed sleep. I still had school and an internship to finish. I tried all the things. I tried laying on my back, on my side. I tried smashing my rib cage where it was hurting between some pillows, but nothing was relieving this pain. And the movie just kept playing. It was getting to be excruciating. I wasn't even able to properly follow the movie that I was watching watching, because all I was thinking about was the pain. The movie thing clearly wasn't working. I knew late night reading when I was tired would help put me to sleep as well, but I could not follow a book that I tried to pick up. Nothing was working. This incessant pain was there and it wouldn't go away, no matter what I tried, how I laid, how much pressure I put on or off my ribs, and I was becoming exhausted. I wanted so bad for some sleep to come. But this time it was about four in the morning and I decided that maybe I needed to wake Isaac up and have him rub my ribs. I hated to do this because my wonderful husband worked so hard. He had long days at school. He rose early for class and went to bed late doing homework. And he was always working hard to make us a living. I hated to make him miss out on his already limited sleep. But I was in some pretty agonizing pain and I caved in and I woke him up. He began rubbing my ribs and at time it felt better to where I could almost relax. It took some time, but eventually I was able to fall in a sleep of pure exhaustion. I have been told what happened next because I truly do not remember any of it. Isaac fell asleep shortly after I did, and a short time later he was awakened because I was having a fit, as he described it. He said that I was rigid as a board and violently shaking. He called my parents, who fortunately lived just right around the corner at the time and my dad came over and assisted Isaac in giving me a priesthood blessing. I seemed to relax, and my parents went home after that. But an hour or so later, after Isaac had fallen back to sleep, he was woken with me going through another fit. I chipped a tooth in this fit, and he was scared to death. He had no idea what was going on and was really worried for me. I was incoherent, and strange things were going on. He immediately phoned my parents again, and my mom came over and took us straight to the hospital. 
Now, parts of that ride to the hospital are still in my memory. I remember my mom was driving really fast, and I didn't know why she needed to go too fast. I was fine, or so I thought. Hardly anyone was on the roads at 6 in the morning. I was worried we were going to get pulled over. Those are about the only things that I remember from that drive. I remember Isaac had his arm wrapped tightly around me in an embrace and tried to keep me talking. He asked me how old I was. He asked me how old he was and where I was from. Some of the questions I just couldn't answer. I didn't remember. I can't imagine the worry I was putting my poor husband through. I wasn't intentionally do it, and I really don't remember being asked too many questions. But I do remember telling him that I loved him. That filled Isaac with great comfort and helped him to get through events that were about to take place. And as you know the title of this podcast, you can probably guess <laughs> what happened next. We walked into the emergency room of the hospital, and they sat me in a wheelchair. After sitting down, I don't really remember anything. I don't know how I got in a hospital gown or how I got in a hospital bed, but I do remember being told that I was going to have to have a C-section. Right after I was told that news, I bursted out bawling. I didn't want to have a C-section. I wanted to have my baby the normal way. I still had nine weeks to go. I was a normal girl in almost every aspect of the word. Why was I having a C-section at 31 weeks? After starting crying, my memory is blank and void of what I went through next. I don't remember a single thing. I was devastated knowing that I was going to have a C-section and it put me through another fit, this time even more intense. The fits actually turned out to be seizures, which classified me for severe eclampsia. I was shaking uncontrollably on the bed and every medical personnel in the room ran to help hold me down. I had already chipped a tooth at home, With such an uncontrollable shake, anything could happen. Cold blue was called throughout the hospital on my behalf. If you don't know what a cold blue is, it is a declaration or a state of medical emergency and a call for medical personnel and equipment to attempt to resuscitate a patient, especially when in cardiac arrest or respiratory distress or failure. Needless to say, I guess I was dying. I can laugh about it now because that was eight years ago. At the time, it wasn't quite so comically relieving, but I choose to smile at this point in time. (laughs) Isaac and my mom were escorted to another room and had to agonizingly wait to find out my status. Was I alive? Was I dead? Was the baby okay? Did the seizures harm the baby? What was wrong? What was going on? I had no idea at the time, but it was kind of a life or death situation. If they did not get that baby out, we were both going to be goners. The way it was later explained to me was that my body started recognizing the baby as foreign and started to fight it to get rid of it. After the C-section, I remember being told that I had a baby, but my unstable condition didn't allow me to see him at all the first day. I actually didn't get off the hospital bed for the whole day. I think I was in and out of consciousness. The doctor was rightly concerned that I might go through more seizures. They took an MRI, which I do not remember them doing at all, of my brain, and they found what looked to be swelling. This really concerned them that I wasn't going to be the same Jocelyn that I was before this whole episode took place. I had one concerned mother and a concerned husband and many other family members and friends who were now aware of my condition. The next day, I did seem to improve slightly, and they allowed me to be wheeled into the NICU to look at our baby. 
through the incubator. He was so tiny. His cry was so fragile. And I couldn't believe that that scrawny, bony, crying human was my son. I wanted to hold him, but I wasn't up to it in strength or stamina at the time. Just riding in the wheelchair to the NICU for 20 minutes about did me in, and I fell right to sleep when we got back. That night, my rib pain came back. It felt just like the night it had when I couldn't fall asleep. I told my mom and Isaac, who had been at the hospital this whole time, and they jumped right on it, contacting my nurse and doctor. They put me on a medication that I still don't remember the name of, and I fell back to sleep. When I finally woke up at who knows what time, I noticed that I had IVs and all sorts of needles stuck everywhere protruding out of my arms. Normally, this would have put me into a hysterical fit because I am, or was, (laughs) terrified of needles. But I was really not myself, and they were just annoying to move. I also had the privilege to wear those air boot sock things that wrapped around my feet. They would periodically fill with air, and I remember thinking that they were annoying too. Eventually, I was well enough that I could hold my baby for the first time. I was so nervous to hold him. He had just as many needles coming out of him as I did, but his were located in his head, and I did not want to do any harm to my baby, but I wanted oh so bad to hold him. He was our miracle, and I wanted to hold his breathing body in my arms. The moment was tender and brought tears to my eyes. My husband was there, my baby was there, and we were all alive in the hospital room together. I felt so comforted to know that we were united with an eternal bond, that no matter if our baby made it through or not, we were still together to be an eternal family. That knowledge helped pull me through many tough days in the NICU with our little Riker. And I will probably go into the NICU in a further episode down the line because I am a NICU mom. (laughs) Um, And my baby did survive, so there is a happy ending. Our little boy didn't want to come as late as I had mentally planned for him to do. Instead, he chose to come in the middle of my last semester at college, right in the middle of my internship, and in the middle of the job I had for a physical therapist. The timing really wasn't the best and took us all by big surprise. My nursery wasn't ready, the house wasn't clean, I hadn't even had a baby shower, and all of a sudden, my husband and I were parents two months before we thought we would be. Now that as I look back on it, if things didn't happen the way that they did with him coming so early, I don't know if I would be a stay-at-home mom like I am today. I probably would have had a job lined up after my internship to help me get some experience in my field of degree. Once I got in the workplace, I know it would have been really hard for me to quit, especially if I had moved up the ladder like I planned to. I probably would have put off quitting and put it off until it was too late. The Lord truly knows us individually. He knew I needed to be a stay-at-home mom and that my primary responsibility was for my family. Miraculously for my situation, both of us survived. My preeclampsia turned into eclampsia, which actually was HELP syndrome, which is a fairly rare thing that happens to pregnant women. Over time, I completed a full recovery with a six-inch scar reminding me of the morning our first child and son was born. Somehow, through a process I don't even remember, I gave birth to our son. 
I was his mom, and things were going to work out. At times since his birth, the days and weeks have gone by rather slow. But looking back at it now, the years have gone fast. Some days it is difficult for me to be, air quote, (laughs) just a mom, air quote. But I know without a doubt in my mind that it is where I am supposed to be. Have you had an emergency situation with pregnancy or another emergency situation that kind of just was unexpected, threw you for a loop, messed up all your timing and all your plans? (laughs) Yeah, those happen. They do, and they throw us for a loop. And we wonder why we cry, we have heartaches, and they're really, really difficult to get through. That whole experience was really hard to get through. I remember that first shower after I had him and I kind of swore I would never have kids again because it was that painful. <laughs> it was it was so miserable and so hard and healing from the C-section was hard and having a baby in the NICU was hard and oh, stuff like that is just difficult. So what do we do when we're going through such difficult things? What are some mindset shifts that we can experience when the times are hard, when we have emergency situations that we're not prepared for? These are the times that truly bring us to our knees, that bring us closer to the Savior. There are so many times I was on my knees pleading for my son, pleading that I could heal, that I might still be able to finish my degree despite having a baby nine weeks early in the middle of my very last semester, pleading that I could do the things that I felt called to do. As I would look around the NICU, I also had to realize that there could be worse situations than mine. And sometimes thinking about those who have dealt with harder things would help propel me forward. My baby was still alive. Things could be worse. Try and think of the good you can learn from the situation. From this situation, I knew that God wanted me to be at home. As hard as it was that first year, which was incredibly hard, he knew that was the way that I was, probably the only way actually, that I would be committed to be a stay-at-home mom. And I noticed that. I noticed that after it happened that there was probably purpose in it. What is the purpose of the trial you are going for through? How can it help someone else? How can it help your family? If you can't think of any hope through your trials, through your emergency situations, through things that are causing you a lot of pain and heartache, message me and I want to try and help you find the light. I want to try and help you to find reason to move forward in this difficult thing. Mama, you are simply amazing and you are simply doing amazing things. Your body is incredible in creating and growing a life, a new human to add to your family. What an incredible, powerful, and sacred blessing. So to sum up a little bit of what I talked about today, first is to realize that emergency situations happen to all of us, even those of us who feel completely normal in every aspect of the word. They can still happen. And when they do happen, what do you do? The first thing is to turn to God. Help him to help you have faith. Pray, draw closer to him, and reach out. Feel his love, feel his warmth surround you, and grow closer to your Savior and Redeemer. 
The next is to look for situations that could be worse. Maybe not look for them, but think about how it could be worse. And the last is to try to find meaning or purpose in why this might be happening to you. Is this going to help someone else? Will this help your family? Will you meet people that you're supposed to meet? What is the reason that you might be going through this? I know you can find one. You are amazing. Thank you so much for listening to these podcast episodes, for sharing them with your pregnant friends and telling them how much it helps when you implement these mindset tools, especially during pregnancy, as we are doing a heavy pregnancy series right now. Until next time. Thank you for being a part of the Meliora Mentor Podcast, for listening, for sharing, and for most of all, applying these tools into your own life to improve your own happiness so that you can find your own better thoughts for a better you and a better life through taking small steps in thought or action to reach your goal. If you are one of those individuals who have an inner desire but are having a difficult time making progress in your goals, I can help you find the small, doable steps without drastic changes to your everyday life. Reach out. Let's connect. And let's see you move forward. My name is Jocelyn, and I thank you for listening. Until next time.